Today's scripture reading is from all over the book of Proverbs. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eye, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. You may be seated. Well, good afternoon, Christ City. I am Heath. I am also part of the team. Uh, It's a real joy for me to be here. Uh, There is one announcement, though, that Jake forgot. Um, Apparently, it is his birthday today. So after the end of the gathering, we're all going to sing him happy birthday. And I'm going to get fired for that later. I wanted to, to, to speak today something eloquent, something amazing, something that would blow you all away. So our topic is about speech in Proverbs. And I wanted to articulate and weave all the way through the narrative of Scripture this amazing thing of speech. In Genesis, how it's birthed all of creation. But no, we have to start with a story. So a lifetime ago in a galaxy far, far away, there was an industrial electrician named Keith. And I happened to be working along the Fraser Rivers at the time. I was younger, I was harder, I was angrier, and a lot less gray. I worked with a great crew of guys. But the hard part of the job, one of the most difficult things, was in the area of communication. See, the guys that I worked with, um, they articulated themselves fairly well with obscenities. In lieu of a robust English vocabulary, they had this, uh, what I call the Swiss Army Knife approach to to obscenities, you know? So one word could be a noun, verb, pronoun. You, you get the idea, right? And I call it the, you know, the Swiss Army F word. You see, I decided that I would not use this Swiss Army F word. I was struggling a bit with Christianity, and I was struggling with my role in it, but I thought, I vowed that I would be different. As weak as I would, was, I would try to not swear. So... Out of the sheer force of my determination, which was actually pretty impressive when I look back, one day after work in the van, we're coming home from Richmond, and I'm chilling. We're listening to horrible music, and we're talking about how bad the Canucks were playing. And my coworker says to me this He says, Heath, can I ask you a personal question? I'm like, sure. Why do you not swear? And in my mind, I'm thinking, Yes, after all these years, I could finally tell them. Somebody noticed, I could tell them. I could be a good little Christian and tell them all about Jesus. But as I'm formulating in my brain how to respond, he says to me this. He says, you know, you're, you're just as crude, you're just as vulgar, and your jokes are sicker than ours. What's with the no swearing thing? My jaw hit the steering wheel. In my personal vacuum of obscenities, in its place grew a flower bed of robust, vile speech. 
perverted language. To my shame, it was fairly evident that my speech was no different than my coworkers. So this is where we need to start today, not in Genesis. We've been discussing the past few weeks about topics in this ancient book of Proverbs. We, if you've been tracking, we've looked at, at what wisdom is. We've looked at what righteousness is. And, and last week, Jake articulated what Proverbs had to say about our cash flow, our money. Today, we're going to look at what speech, what Proverbs rather has to say about our speech, our communication. As my introductory story aptly applies, you can get the idea that this is not a strong suit for me. Now, whether you're a committed Christian here or a committed atheist or somewhere in the middle, this issue of communication plagues us all, from our Twitter feeds to the way we gossip about our family and friends. And if I took a quick poll this afternoon, I bet you all of us have struggled at one point or another with what we have said to somebody else. So it's with a little fear and trepidation that I actually speak to you this afternoon. Not because I'm afraid to speak on the topic, Because this beast of communication has been a lifelong struggle for me. It's my nemesis. It's my desire this afternoon to maybe to lead you on the path so you don't step in some of the landmines that I've stepped on. So if you're taking notes this afternoon, our outline goes as follows. What is the power of communication? What are the limitations of our communication? And ultimately, what is the source of our communication? So, the power of communication. In the past six months or so, I've been taking this online course on Proverbs, kind of bulk up my brain power to be able to speak on it. And, and the speaker, he's a pretty cool old guy, and he, he gets to this area of speech, and he tells this great proverb. And, and it's an amazing proverb, and he says that he stole it from somebody else, so I'm going to steal it from him, because it's really good. So the stolen proverb goes like this. There was a king in a faraway land, contemplating his greatness. And one day he summons his trusted advisor and he says to me, bring me the most powerful thing in all the land. So some time goes by, the advisor comes back and on a silver platter, we see a human tongue. I'm not going to get into the specifics of how that happened, but anyway, so the king then summons his servant again, say, bring me the most destructive thing in all the land. And once again, the advisor presents to him a human tongue. Our speech, our communication, the way we talk to others, for good or for ill, is probably the most powerful thing in all of history. More powerful than any nuclear warhead. The book of Proverbs states that our communication, on one hand, has the power to harm, to kill, to destroy, and bring death. Yet at the same time, has the power to bring healing and to bring life. We instinctively know this negative aspect of this truth, you know, and we are kind of really see this kind of highlighted in our uh, communication on our social media feeds, don't we? Did you know, fun fact, that Solomon actually penned a proverb describing our communication style on Twitter? Can anybody guess what it is? Yeah, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Am I right or am I right? Twitter is full of 280 character sword thrusts. I'm not even building a caricature when I say that the current president of the United States embodies this principle. His Twitter feed is the equivalent of a match at the Colosseum in ancient Rome, a gladiatorial bloodbath on display globally for all of us to see and enjoy. 
I have to confess, most mornings I wake up and I think, what has he tweeted today? Yeah, how many are you with me, right? It's, it's, it's to my shame, but, but, but we enjoy it, and it's not right. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Jesus is in the garden. He's about to be arrested. A little you know, kerfuffle breaks out, and some dude loses his ear. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place, for all who take the sword perish by the sword. This is where we get our proverb, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Christ City, it is time that we acknowledge that many times on our social media feeds, we live by the sword. We live by the sword with our speech. And we see this most clearly in our social media accounts. When was a, there's this stupid meme. I wish I could have found it. There's a stupid meme that says, your argument after Facebook, and it shows a picture of Kermit the Frog on a typewriter. Have we all seen that, right? That's what we are. This is a reality that not all of us, we haven't really grappled with it. Let me say this again. We live by the sword in our communication. I have seen godly men, women, promote the vilest of ideologies, blatant hatred and racism. I myself have shared, unfortunately, off-colored jokes and memes making fun of others. And sadly, I've seen gentle little old ladies share stuff on Facebook that would make your hair curl. Social media may be our proxy, but man, we're culpable. Let's not kid ourselves. We live by the sword. The fact that we have things called internet trolls and sadly teens committing suicide as a direct consequence of social media bullying testifies to the reality of my statement. Our rash words, as Proverbs says, are like sword thrusts. And if we continue in our communication this way, it will lead to our death. Proverbs chapter 6, 12 through 15 says, A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks the eye, signals with his feet, points with his fingers, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him. Suddenly, in a moment, he will be broken beyond all healing. If we live by the sword, we die by the sword in our communication. So to use the rubric of our working definition of righteousness that we've been on the past couple weeks, we could say in the negative way that we use wicked speech and communication to advantage ourselves by disadvantaging others. Sadly, this reality isn't just limited to our social media channels. We gossip. We wink the eye, as Proverbs 6 says. With our words, we better ourselves to the expense of others. And we do this not only on our social media channels, but we do this in person. We really need to feel the weight of the destructive power of our communication. Now, I didn't want to share this story, but I'm going to anyway. As a job, one time when I was a job, working as an electrician, was working out of Port Kells, and I had a foreman, he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. And he made a fairly substantial mistake on the job, and I could see it happening. So, I go up to him in midstream and thought, maybe we can adjust this so we don't actually lose money on the job. And he uses one of those fancy Swiss Army knife words on me. And uh, so I said, okay. His word, my words fell on deaf ears. So at the end of the job, we lost money. So in he goes into the boss's office. And I'm smugly thinking to myself that, eh, I tried to warn him. Eh, whatever. To my surprise, I'm promptly called into the office. My coworker pins the whole thing on me, and I end up taking the fall for his failure. 
His lies almost cost me my job. So, instead of disadvantaging myself for the advantageous nature of my coworker, guess what? Guess what the evil Heath did? He plotted his revenge. Instead of taking the fall, it took me a year, but I systematically threw him under the bus, made him look stupid every single chance I could get, whisper here, half-truth here, making sure that I highlighted every single mistake that he made, all systematically engineered to make him look incompetent. You ever seen that dumb show, House of Cards on Netflix? Yeah, that was me. To my shame, that was me. It took me a year but I destroyed his reputation and got him fired. My actions are as Proverbs 16 says, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife a whis- and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him to the way that is not good. I expose this ugly bit inside my heart so that you can see the serious and absolute destructive nature of our words. We try to destroy others with our communication, and in the end, it's us who gets destroyed. Ask my wife. I was the angriest, most bitter man you can ever know. I was dead inside. If we live by the sword, we die by the sword. Now, before we're tempted beyond despair here, we need to actually acknowledge and understand that our communities can actually bring life. Our speech can bring life. Proverbs 16.24 reads, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We, we kind of know this is true, right? Maybe too good to be true, but we really, I didn't really feel the weight of the power of the tongue in a positive way till about a couple years ago. Right after I came back from Greece, I was working for a mission sending agency, and I happened to be in my sweet spot. I was at Canada Place downtown for Missions Fest, and I had my little booth set up, and I had my little candies with the prospect of 30,000 people walking by my booth. Jake is probably quaking, right? He's like, Ooh. I was in my sweet spot. I love talking to people. So, so out of the corner of my eye on a Friday night, I see, this, see an old friend. And I'm like, he's got a girl on his arm. And that, that's cool. So he rushes over the booth. He gives me the biggest bear hug I've ever had. And he says to this girl beside him, he says, this is Heath, the guy that I was telling you about who saved my life. Now, that's not something you hear every day. The comment kind of, it took me by surprise. I was oblivious, clueless that I had any kind of impact like that on his life. So I asked the only question I could. I'm like, dude, um, how did I save your life? And he said to me these words, you spoke to me. Now, we're going to pretend that this is a Christopher Nolan film, and we're going to flash back 15 years earlier, okay? So you're with me on the timeline here? We're going to flash back to when my friend was 13 years old. Now, he's shared this story publicly, so I'm at liberty to say, but I had no idea at the time that my friend was a victim of domestic violence, verbally, physically, abused by a long line of stepfathers. His mom was single at the time, and she was evicted from her place of residence. So myself and a few of the guys from the local church, we heard the call, and we, we, we went over to their house to help them move. 
I'd never met this family before. So I was wholly unprepared for when I walked in the door. Walked in the door. And there greeted me was this kid. He was over six feet. He was over 300 pounds. And he was a beast of a kid. But when I looked into his eyes, they were sad. They were broken. It was like a, like a puppy dog. My heart was rendered. I did the only thing I could, and I said, Hi, my name is Heath. What's yours? People, those words saved his life. I didn't know about all the crap in his home life. I didn't know that he struggled with self-esteem, self-harm. I didn't realize that because he was overweight, he was the pariah at school, untouchable. All I saw was a broken kid who needed love. So over the next few years, a couple of us from the church, we befriended him. We introduced him to other kids. We brought him to youth group. We taught him how to drive. Taught him how to shave. Essentially, we taught him how to become a man. We became his father's. And today, he's joyfully married. That girl in his arm was his fiancée. He loves Jesus, and ironically, he weighs less than I do. (laughs) All because I spoke to him. My words of introduction to him were as Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. The power of our communication, for good or for ill, can be best summarized by Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if our, if our communication then has that much power, if it has power over life and death itself, how could there possibly be any limitations to its use? Well, it's ironically pretty easy. The book of Proverbs states that there are two fairly distinct limitations to speech. And, and, and it's intuitive. When I say them, you're like, oh yeah, of course. The first one is that our speech, our communication, divorce from action is actually useless. Proverbs 14.23 says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. This proverb is making the wise observation that if all you do is plan, if all you do is talk about things, discussion, unhinged from toil and effort, Solomon says that you're probably going to starve to death. Now, we have our, our own proverb that summarizes this, it's, and we all know it. Actions speak louder than what? Words. So, we see this clearly here. Guess what's happening this fall? We're coming into a federal election. And, and we, we instinctively know this to be true, right? We All the, discussed in the things discussed in the public arena, all of it to assure us. What are they doing? Right now, they're throwing money at everything. They're handing, oh, we're going to do this program here, this program here. All guaranteed to us all assured to us, all promised to us. Yeah, we all know that's empty talk, don't we? Come on. That's why politicians, if they can, they're handing out money right here, right now. The run-up to the election is, uh, is where we see this limitation fairly, fairly clear. But don't kid yourself. This is not just an election issue. This reality is on a day-to-day level in our homes, in our jobs, and in our relationships. Just ask my wife about the honeydew list. Yeah. I don't get that done very often. It's, yep, I'll do it, I'll do it, and I never do. This reality permeates our whole life. My friend that I talked about earlier, he believed my words of life because I acted on them. My words cost me time. My words cost me money. My words cost him a few cuts from a razor. But in the end, 
my words combined with action change not only his life, but mine as well. Actions speak louder than words. That leads us to limitation number two. Communication can coerce, but not compel. Proverbs 29, 19 says, By mere words, a servant is not disciplined. For though he understands, he will not respond. Now, there's a lot of parents in the room. And, you know, we all know this to be true, right? And if you're not a parent, you've been a kid to a parent, so you still know that this is true. So the scenario goes like this. Johnny, don't touch. Johnny touches. So again, Johnny, don't touch. So what does Johnny do? He touches. Like, <laughs> you know, and usually this occurs when there's a whole room of people, so you can, you know, you're giving them the stink eye. So then a third time, a little louder, Johnny, don't touch. Johnny touches. So the parent loses it, screams, do you want me to come over there? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. And you know what? Johnny gets disciplined, right? The consequences of ignoring parental communication, they're real. This principle translates into most things in life. There are consequences for ignoring communication, right? If you get pulled over by the police and if you're texting, what's going to happen? How big is the ticket? I don't want to find out. Spoken words, though, do not equate behavioral modification. Communication can coerce, but not compel. Just because I tell my kid something doesn't mean or guarantee that he's going to listen to anything I have to say. This is the reason, this is interesting, that last year, the advertising industry globally was worth well over $1.2 trillion. Let that sink in for a sec. The advertising industry is roughly the GDP output of Mexico. To give you a perspective, Canada is $1.7 trillion. Advertisers are well aware of the limitations of communication. And the theory is, it goes like this. To overcome this weakness... Your voice needs to be louder, stronger, more strategic, and appear absolutely everywhere on all forms of communication. Advertising executives aren't stupid. They know that wise communication has a difficult time competing with a trillion dollars worth of targeted ads. There's a reason why I'm preaching off an Apple product. There's a reason why all of us probably have the same white plastic buckety chairs with the wooden legs and the metal crosshatches. There's a reason why we all want to drive a Tesla. Ironically, though, this limitation of communication still exists. We almost have kind of a law of diminishing returns happening here. The louder the voice, the more global it goes, reciprocally leads to a less receptive audience. Remember the outrage when somebody had the audacity to put ads on YouTube? Now, who cares? We ignore them. A wise person in Proverbs is someone who understands the power and the limitations of our communication and is useful in utilizing it to the advantage of others, even though though it could disadvantage yourself. A foolish person, in Proverbs, uses communication to disadvantage others by exploitation, by by exploiting others with the power and the limitations of communication to advantage me, myself, and I. The question still remains then, is how do we guard ourselves from foolish or wicked communication. How do, we, how do we become wise? How is this possible? That's why we need to look at the third point, the source of our communication. Proverbs 10.20 says this, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. 
12, 23. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. 1623, you're getting kind of the flows. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And finally, 420 to 24. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it it flows the spring of life. Put away your, your, from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Proverbs is urging the reader to value wise instruction. Why? We're to guard our heart because it's the source of all behavior. I wanted you to hear what Proverbs had to say for themselves about communication, good or bad. So it's no surprise then when we turn to Luke chapter 6 and we see Jesus speaking about the same thing. Luke 6, 43 to 45. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Okay. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Okay. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus is saying the same thing that the Proverbs state, that what comes out of our mouths, our communication, is actually a byproduct of what's going on in our heart. So let's circle back to my introductory story. So my friend, my coworker, he essentially asks, why am I foul mouth? Why do I use vulgar speech, even though I don't swear? He was confused. He understood this principle. His question was saying to me, if you're going to be crude, just swear, you idiot. My hypocrisy confused him. He wasn't stupid. He saw what was going on in my heart. And it was vile, crude, and absolutely disgusting. On a heart level, I lived a double standard, you see. Functionally, my identity, my heart, was sourced in the acceptance of my coworkers. Protection of me rather than God working in me. I sacrificed my purity of speech for acceptance. No matter how hard I tried, I didn't believe really that God was the source of my identity, of my heart. My speech betrayed that fact. So then how can we actually have wise speech? How do we be wise? How do we understand the power and the limitations of speech and be useful in utilizing it to the advantage of others rather than ourselves? How can we accomplish this? Because really, the binary nature of Proverbs kind of says, really, we're stuck. Proverbs 4, look at it. if I look at it again, it says, look, I am not attentive enough. I have troubles inclining my ears to wisdom. And no matter how hard I try, wisdom escapes from my sight. I have troubles keeping wisdom at the center of my heart, and therefore, what comes out of my mouth is garbage, a wellspring of death. Now, maybe I'm the only one that struggles here with this. But I doubt it. We must grapple with the question. If the source of my communication is my heart, and it's rotten, how do I become wise then? Quick answer is that we can't. There's no way on my own to curtail my speech to be wise. That day in the van, I realized this to be true. 
and it struck me hard. I didn't know it at the time, but I needed a change of heart. I needed a power source that wasn't my own. It's not like I can just download and you know a new upgrade from Apple. I actually need a hardware update. I need something from outside of myself to change me. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs is saying that the thing I need is the true word of God. Proverbs looks forward to and points us to the solution. The word of God is a shield. Turn with me to John chapter 1. I want to show you something absolutely amazing that blows my mind. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. That's a mouthful. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, as glory as the only son from father, full of grace and truth. Now, in ancient Greek philosophy, there was a concept of this divine ultimate reason, divine impersonal wisdom, and it was called the Logos. And it's this concept that the writer here, John, picks up, and he uses that. He says, you know that divine reason that you're thinking about that's just kind of out there, that's impersonable? Well, this is translated here as the word. He says, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word is divine reason. He's God. He is wisdom. He's what the Proverbs points to. He is personified by Jesus himself. God himself, divine wisdom, speaks into history And he becomes flesh that he can actually give us new life, a new power source, a new heart. It is in Jesus, the word of God, that is the shield that we take refuge in in Proverbs 35. Jesus is a shield to those who take refuge in him. He is life. He is the light of men. He accomplishes this by dying on the cross, as Philippians 2 says. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted, has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. Jesus, the Logos, the Word, became flesh and did something that we were unable to do. He disadvantaged himself by dying on a cross so that we could be advantaged and have a new life. This is why in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul can proclaim, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The only way, people, that we can be wise and turn the tables and have our speech advantage others and disadvantaging ourselves is through being a new creation in Jesus. Put another way, to be a new creature in Christ is the only way our hearts can be, as Proverbs 4.23 says, a wellspring of life. Without this heart change, You'll be like me, you know, in the work van. A cesspool of selfish acid, which is a cancer that leads to a slow, painful death. Not only to yourself, but to those around you. So this afternoon, we have a choice. You can walk out of here thinking, man, that guy was a nut job. Glad I'm not like him. He's really messed up. 
I'm good. I can manage on my own. My speech is okay. I don't need any of that religious crap to control my tongue. But if you do, you'll be as Proverbs 12, 23 says, you'll have a heart of a fool that proclaims folly. Or you could be like me in the van. You could be wallowing in self-guilt. You can, just, you can really articulately see how wrecked you are. Yet in your pride, your unchanged heart, you can resolve to try harder, have more control, to be maybe through sheer will and determination to kind of get this under, under control. Trust me, I've tried both ways. They both lead to death. If either you reject wisdom altogether or you try to grasp and control it by the sheer force of your will, either way, you will utilize communication for your benefit and you will disadvantage others. You will be a fool. Just like Proverbs 6.15 says, therefore calamity will come upon you suddenly and in a moment he will be broken beyond healing. And that was me in the van. You will be still living by the sword And ultimately, you will die by that sword. Or you could be left wondering, what happened after the van incident? How did Heath become a new creation? What happened? And how can I have this new heart as well? So for about a year, I lived like that. I'd given up. You know the show, The Walking Dead? That's like a documentary. One day I was working on a conveyor belt in a sawmill in Pitt Meadows, and I just, I broke. In my sorrow, in my anger, in my anguish, I cried out to Jesus and I screamed, Jesus, give me a new heart. Change my life because I cannot do it on my own. I need you to fix me. I need you to forgive me. I've tried to do it on my own. I need your help. It's all it took. And I'm not that same man that I was then. So if you find yourself this afternoon living like me, living by the sword with your speech, using tweets as sword thrusts, manipulating things to your own advantage with your communication, if you really want to change, then the only way is to actually surrender and call out to Jesus, the one who can actually make you new because he is the true word become flesh, the power to give you life by his death and his resurrection. Only through Jesus will I disadvantage myself and my speech to advantage others. So would you please stand with me? Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.